welcome back to another episode of the Broncos Avenue Podcast. I'm your host, Amir, with my co-host today, Jordan, and a very special guest. We have three-year Denver Broncos offensive tackle Calvin Anderson to join the podcast today. Super excited to have you on today. How's training? How's the offseason? How's life, man? It's been good, man. I I, I came out to California, as I usually do in the offseason, to train and supposed to be here for the weather, but the weather's been uh, up and down, so I'm hoping that the Mm -hmm. sun comes back. Uh, but it's been good so far, man. It's great to hear. Great to hear yes, you're doing man. good. Um, I've seen you've been doing like a lot of traveling lately. You want to tell us about that and how that's been going? It's super awesome that you've been kind of going around all around the country and uh, it seems like even out of the country as well. Yeah, man. Every off season, I feel like I try to travel. I mean, I like to travel a lot too. I don't mind flying. And, um, you know, life is short, man. There's so much of the world still yeah. to see. So I try to see as much as I can in the time that I have to see it. So um, next trip out of the country tbd probably me and g's leaving somewhere so we're gonna go on like a okay that's my guy we'll see all right sounds sounds awesome and uh good to have you on the pod today uh we've had like five straight defensive players on the pod um so it's finally good to start talking about some offense today Uh, we've had pj lock caden stearns and now calvin anderson so it feels like we've collected all the infinity stones for uh texas alumni Uh, so it's it's awesome to have you uh on today uh but to kick things off um, what was it like getting the block for Russell Wilson this past season? Obviously, the big superstar um, that you guys uh, traded for, all those picks, and just being around him in general. Can you kind of describe that aura that was like, you know, from day one in training camp till getting to, you know, start on the offensive line and play with him in game? Yeah, let me first say, man, y'all got another Infinity Stone to collect because they they just signed my boy, little Jordan Humphreys, man. So he was my yeah, I already, yeah. I already hit him up, I man. Gotta get him on the pod. Um, yeah, rough, man. Um, first and foremost, I think it was pretty surreal. I remember where I was literally out here and actually in California with Garrett when, um, we, the news broke that we got Russ and, um, you know, Russ is a leader before anything else. I mean, obviously he's a man of God and he has all all his personal stuff, but I think from a football standpoint in in the locker room and in the building, he's a, he's a leader. That's the first thing you realize about him. Um, and he, he has that energy, has that aura. As soon as you're um, in the building with him and you're on the field with him, in the classroom, learning learning plays with him, he's a leader. So, um, yeah, I, I really like and respect that about him. And I think he continued to carry himself as a leader no matter what the situation was during the season, obviously not the season that any of us wanted. Um, but I think that his leadership never wavered, and that's something I can really respect about Russ. Um a lot more personable than th- people think. I, I um, you know, obviously had the time and the opportunity to spend a good amount of time outside of the building with Russ. And, um, you know, he's a genuine person. I think that goes unnoticed. It flies under the radar because he gets a lot of flack for his play. And, you know, people say whatever they want about Russ. But um, I, I'd say that Russ is a very personable guy. And, um, you know, I appreciate that he, he sticks to and remains to being who he is regardless of, you know, the, the feedback he gets from other people, he's not looking to impress anybody. He's looking to take care of his family and play the best football he can. So um, I have a lot of respect for that. Yeah. Um, you know, like when you say that, it just, it brings, you know, it brings back the memories for all the season. And even now in the off season, you know, everybody just bringing out different type of rumors about Russ, you know, how he's a bad leader, the stuff going on within the organization and talking about how his fundraiser, you know, his foundation is basically a scam. It just seems like every angle they've attacked him, And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I, I give him his props, you know, he's kind of taking it to the chin and he's like, you know, 
just moving the way how he's supposed to move and he hasn't let it affect him or anything like that. So I commend him for that. Yeah, you and me both. Yeah. Um, but uh going to, you know, into you know, last you know, last season wasn't a season that you know we all wanted. You know, we all had high expectations. It didn't go the way we wanted. Um, you know, a lot of big changes happened so far in the offseason. Um, have you had have you had a chance to meet any of the new coaches? And um, you know, how do you feel about the new coaching staff? Yeah, I think they're I think they're um they're in offseason mode right now, so they're probably waiting to do all of the you know team meetings and you know yeah. interactions with the with the players and they're waiting for that. Um, until everybody's in Denver, probably. Um, but I've seen a lot of the moves, and you know, I think Denver is moving in the right direction. I think George is, I think George is a good leader of an organization, and so I think that, um, especially from a player personnel standpoint, he's going to get the right players in the building. And then, um, you know, obviously with Sean coming, um, a lot to be excited about yet again in Denver, right? So. Um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see what moves are left to be made. Um, we got free agency starting this week, tomorrow actually, with tampering. So um, we'll see what moves are left to be made. But it's an, I think it's a, an exciting time in Denver. Yeah. So uh, I want to talk about this uh, photo that went around. I'm not too sure if you uh, you've seen it. Um, it has to do with our divisional uh, rival, Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'm not too sure if you've seen it. it, it actually, an uh, Instagram follower sent it to me, and it went a little viral on Twitter and Instagram. I want to pop up, pop it up on the uh, the screen right now. Um, so it was basically uh, the Kansas City Chiefs in practice, practicing with uh, what looked like trash cans with our Broncos offensive lineman on there. Uh, you can see you on the very far right there. Uh, what what do you got to say about that? I don't know if you've uh, seen that, but uh, they're they're doing us a little dirty, man. Yeah, well, good to know that we're we're trying to we're motivating another team, and I I can't speak too much to it. I I don't know what the motivation <laughs> is, so I won't make any pre pre judgments, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm not gonna lie. I, I can't stand the cheese. But Calvin, uh, you came into the league undrafted. You know, you obviously had a chip on your shoulder. Uh, can you give us, you know, your, you, you know, your first initial reaction? You know, when you found out you were gonna that uh, you were gonna become a Bronco. Yeah, I remember it was week five. Actually, I I went to the Patriots first out of the draft. After the draft, um, and I was I remember being I was really shocked I didn't get drafted, but. Um, you know, I had like, I had like 10 or 12 teams trying to sign me right after the draft. So, you know, I had to kind of focus on that as opposed to being upset about not being drafted, ended up picking the Patriots and went there. And after a few days, they were actually signing a former Bronco, Jared Veld here to play tackle. So they signed him and cut me. I was the only, um, rookie offensive tackle that was, that had no guaranteed money. So they cut me, I was claimed off waivers, um, by the Jets. So I went to New York. And um, funny enough, like a week later, Jared Veldier retired. So he had signed a deal, then he retired, um, which was crazy. But uh, I had a good pre—I had a good preseason with the Jets. Um, I was balling. I was playing. I was playing tackle and guard. Actually, that was the only time I ever played guard rookie year, trying to make it. Um, but I had a good preseason, good preseason games, um, and then it—it it was the last year, I think, or maybe the second to last year that practice squad players were able to make elevated salary. So I was making. I was making like active roster salary to be on the practice squad because um, there were other teams that wanted me. So I stayed doing that for four weeks, um, which is crazy. I remember my first NFL paycheck, I was tripping out. Uh, so I did that for four weeks. And then the Broncos called actually um, um, big Elway called, called my agent and said, um, you know, we want to sign Calvin. 
and they were one of the teams that was trying to get me after the draft. So um, they offered me a two-year deal. I came. The rest is history, man. I, uh, I spent that year on um, the inactive list, which is kind of like – it was kind of like a redshirt year, that year for me. Yeah. Uh, I never suited up for the games, but I was on the active roster. And then I was practicing every day against Vaughn, which is – still a surreal um, experience for me. I remember the first day I got to Denver, the very first day we stood up for practice and I'm on the practice field and I'm like, yo, that's Vaughn Miller. Like what? Um, and I learned a lot. I learned a lot playing against Vaughn. Man. He really did help me. I, I, uh, I remember we saw him preseason this year when we played against, or last year when we played against the Bills. And um, I, I told him that I was like, man, like I really wouldn't be here without you, without you brother. Like I appreciate you. Um, so, uh, and Vaughn actually had a locker right across from mine. So, um, anyway, so I did that for my first year and then, um, my going into my second year, it was like, okay, like obviously every year you're trying to make, take a step up. Cause, um, if you don't, the league will age you out. And, um, so my second year, I was trying to develop a role for myself. Obviously I had Mike Munchak, who, uh, I still think is, is such a great coach. Happy to happy to have played with him. Still waiting to see if he's going to come back to the league at some point, but, uh, maybe I'll call him and ask him after this free agency stuff. But, um, yeah, second year, um, again, I was playing well in the preseason. I was playing both tackles, left and right. Uh, I had never played right before my first year, um, so I was developing as, you know, a guy who could play both, and um, Munch helped me with that a lot. And um, ended up making the team second year again. And so um, – but that year I was I – was, I had made the team, and I was supposed to be, like, you know, the, the swing option, but, you know, I was young. I had never played in a real NFL game before, so, you know, there was question marks, I think, from the coaching staff about is he ready or, you know, all that. Uh, you know, I was young, I was athletic, but I was raw. And so um, the Raiders week comes. I think it was week 10 maybe, but Raiders week comes, and uh, we had had some injuries, obviously, as you guys probably know, um, and, you know, it was my turn to play. So it was my first game starting. And uh, I actually started again, started right next to Graham. Uh, I called Graham yesterday. I obviously I heard the news he got released yeah. um, and reminded him, like, dude, you were there for my very first NFL game. Like, thank you so much for being veteran presence and all that. So I'm sure Graham will be good wherever he goes. But, um, yeah, so I played that first game against the Raiders. I had Max Crosby that game actually before he got paid, but he was still cold. It was his second year, too. We were both the same draft class. And um, you know, I, I – I, 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 when I relatively, when I look back, I played relatively well, but it was still a difficult, you know what I mean? Like it, you're, yeah. you're being compared to people who play and who have started a lot. And it was my very first game. I didn't allow a sack, but I still, you know, I had some iffy play at the end, but I, I, I was happy with it. Cause I was like, man, I got my feet wet. And, um, you know, it was my first time starting and it wasn't like I was prepared to start the whole year. I was it just all of a sudden happened because we had some injuries. So yeah, I played my first game that went well. And then um, a few weeks later, actually, Garrett, Garrett, Garrett's my boy, by the way. I was I was actually living with Garrett at the time. Mm -hmm. um, that's conversation for another day, I guess. But um, Garrett had gotten the flu or some kind of he got some he, some sickness or whatever. Maybe it was food poisoning, some sickness when we played Carolina that year. And um and I was the backup at left. There was nobody else that was, that was back and left up. So Garrett went down the morning of the game. So that's what threw everybody off because he got sick the night before. And in the morning, they were like, yeah, he can't play. So on the bus going to the stadium to get ready to play, I get a call from Munch. And he's like, hey, uh, did you hear the news? And I was like, no, I didn't hear anything. He was like, well, your boy is he's down. He's, he's got a stomach bug. He probably ate something bad. 
were you ready to play? And I was like, what? <laughs> the NFL, listen, in the NFL, if you're not the guy who's starting that week, it's not like you're getting the reps or, or that, you know, you're yeah. going to game plan for you. It's the game plan for somebody else. And so um, I, he told me, he was like, yeah, we need you to play. And this is like 30 minutes before we're going to get to the stadium to get suited up, to do our warmups and get ready to play. So, um, you know, I had to flip a switch, but I remember it was, it was, um, I remember it was like a defining moment in my career because I, I made a decision and I had a decision to make either I can choose to make excuses for myself and say, well, here's a thousand reasons why, you know, I, I won't play well. Like here's all the reasons I can give for why I wouldn't have been prepared for today. Or I can just make a decision to make this like my, one of my defining moments. Like, okay, mm -hmm. you have an opportunity to do something incredible. It's an opportunity to, you know, make, um, you know, make a real impact, make a real impact in your career and, and for this team. So I chose the latter of the two, which I'm still to this day proud of. And, um, you know, that was that was my first game starting at left tackle. And um, I played well. I had Brian Burns that game, who also mm -hmm. was very, very good and still is. Um, and uh, it was a good game, man. And we won the game, too. So that made it, you know, even better. Um, and I think that was the day that I earned that that coaching staff's respect because again, this is like 30 minutes and I'm undrafted for agent. Like I'm not the guy that people um, were hedging their bets on or anything. I was, I was, I was, there were so many reasons why that could have gone wrong and that I, I could have been expected to fail, but I just didn't. And uh, I chose not to fail. I chose to, to face the opposition and overcome it. And I'm glad I did. So ended up playing really well that game. Those are the two games I started in 2020. And um the next year I got tendered and uh, I was a restricted tender. So I stayed on the team, um, made the team again. I was actually competing the next year for the starting spot with Bobby, Bobby Massey, OG. Um, mm -hmm. He's not there anymore, but he's an OG. And, um, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was going to get a real chance to start that year, but, you know, they went with the seasoned veteran, which I understand. So I was back up swing again. I swing in both sides, but I was the first one up at right or left and then um, ended up playing three games that year. I, the first game I played was the Cowboys game, and we ended up smacking the Cowboys. That was such a good game. And um, that was probably the best. That was my best game to date at that time was uh, playing against the Cowboys. I remember that was like I was playing left tackle that game, and I had Randy Gregory, actually, who's now our now our teammate. And um, that was that was at the time my best game. Like he, he didn't get any sacks. He had no pressures. Like it was, it was one of those like lockdown games. And um, I played two games after that. I played the Cowboys game. I played the Eagles game. I played the um, Chargers game and I was just getting into a rhythm. And then Chargers game, obviously I went down with the injury. One of the D linemen fell on my leg and um, that was tough, but um, so I was out for the rest of the year. And then, um, then this past year, last year, I, uh, I re-signed on a one-year deal, fully guaranteed to come in and compete again. And then, um, you know, we had a coaching staff change with Hackett getting hired and we had, you know, new O-line coach, whole new staff. And, um, you know, it was different. We we're going to run a little bit of a different offense. Obviously, we got superstar quarterback, Russ. Um, so a lot of changes. Um, and, you know, it, it didn't it didn't go how I thought it was going to go. And that's for reasons that I maybe don't understand. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm a professional. I know that. And so, um, you know, I found out what my role was supposed to be. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I thought I was going into the season. I was going to be the starter at right tackle. But um, for whatever reason, I was changed at, at the last minute. And so, um, you know, I I reverted to you know the years of experience I had being ready to play at any time. And, 
you know, I waited till my number was called. And when my number was called, you know, I played and, um, you know, I'm happy with, I'm happy with how I played. And, um, you know, I left it all out there for Denver and, you know, we're going into free agency tomorrow. So, um, I'm excited about that, but uh, I'm definitely not ruling out Denver. If if uh, if Denver would like to make something work, I would love to keep bleeding and sweating for Denver. I would love to hear. So. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. You know, um, obviously free agency kicking off tomorrow. Has there any has been, there been any conversations with you, George Payton, your agent, uh, Bob? You know, potentially uh, coming back here. Uh, what, what does that kind of look like? Because I know I'm speaking for all Broncos country when we want you back here. Yeah, I mean, there's always uh, conversations. Um, I uh, it would have to be the right situation. I'm at a point in my career where sure. I'm like, I got married this year, which is crazy. Um, I got married. Congrats! This year. Congrats! Starting a family soon, so I got to start thinking about things that are a lot bigger than just me and um, and what I might want, my what my intentions might be. And so, I, it's got to be the right situation. Now, I, I've I know I've proven that I can start, and so I want to show in an extended period of time that I can start game after game and have people prepping for me, watch my film and still be able to perform. And I showed that, I think, in, in, a, in a microcosm this year with the six, game, six games that I did start. Um, you know, I played against some good guys. I played Chandler Jones, Frank Clark, Josh Allen. Like, I mean, it wasn't like I was playing against scrubs. And so, um, you know, I'm ready, to, I, I'm ready to go somewhere or be somewhere where a team believes day in and day out I can be that guy. Yeah, um, you spoke um, earlier about Mike Munchak and, you know, about him possibly getting back into coach and everything like that. Um, you know, obviously he did wonders for you guys on the offensive line, made you guys, you know, jump in your game. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about his coaching style and just any stories you have about Mike Munchak? Yeah, absolutely. So Mike, Mike Munchak is he is a, he's a legend, uh, obviously a Hall of Fame player and um, arguably Hall of Fame as a Hall of Famer as a coach, too. Um and the the first thing you realize when you when you're getting coached by Munch is that he speaks from experience because he played so long. So it's, and it's not even just that he played, but he played at a really high level. So he knows what it's like to succeed and ride those ebbs and flows of being good and then not being good. And you know he knows what that feels like. And so um, he garners a lot of respect, I think, right out of the gate with that. But my, Mike also takes um, pretty different approaches depending on the guy he's coaching, which I always appreciate it because he recognizes that not every player is the same, especially as offensive linemen. We have different body types. Some guys are super fast. Some guys are super big. Some guys are strong. You know, everybody has different aptitudes. And I love that Munch would always, when he was coaching one player, he would identify their specific aptitudes, how they approach the game, wherever they were at mentally, he'd meet them there and then coach from there. And I appreciated mm -hmm. that. Not every coach does that. Not every coach is able to do that. Um, when we spent time together, he was very specific about the things that he saw in my game that he felt like, here's how you can tailor your game to being um, elite in this league against these players. And then if he talks to somebody like Garrett or if he talks to somebody like Quinn or whoever, then he can tailor what he's saying and his message to them. And so he can help every individual player in, uh, improve their game. So I really appreciate that about much, man. One thing about Munch, though, is funny enough, all my all my O-line brothers will remember this. Every single day, um, especially my second year in the league, I would always come in and uh, this is COVID now. So we were spread out. So we, we, were, we weren't sitting next to each other anymore. But I would always come in and I had like a bunch of snacks and a bunch of food that I was eating during the meeting. So I would eat. In the mornings, I would come in and I would always get my uh, I would always get my cinnamon toast crunch. I get like three or four of them. I always wake up late, so I'll come in, I'll eat like four cinnamon toast crunch. 
And Munch is an older dude, so he, you know, his hearing is a little, you know, everything a little get a little suspect when you get older, uh, and he knows that. So um, we would be in the meetings, and I would always either be eating my cinnamon toast crunch in the morning or or chips and stuff before we go to practice. And so Munch would be right in the middle of, you know, he's coaching whatever we're looking at the film, and I'm in the back. It's silent, right? Like we give a lot of respect to coach when he's talking. It's silent, and I got my bag of chips, and I'm popping my bag of chips open and I was popping back chips open in a silent room. It makes a pretty loud noise. Yeah. So this, every single time he was like, he would just stop the meeting. Literally. I had to learn to just not take any food in that. He would stop the meeting and just look at me and be like, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You just eat your food. man. This is your time now. And everybody used to fire me up. I would always bring in the food. Everybody else would eat like at lunchtime or at breakfast time, but I was always bringing my food into the meetings, man. So he used to give me, he used to give me a hard time about that. That's funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. We uh, were hearing a lot of these stories, like kind of in, in the meetings. I know, uh, I believe it was either Caden Stearns or PJ Log was talking about how uh, Pastor Tan uh, falls asleep during meetings and stuff. Sometimes is joking around how he has narcolepsy. Uh, it's it's funny hearing these stories for sure. Yeah. Young um, boys, they be falling asleep. <laughs> and it, it's crazy because he's he's on on pace to be one of the greater DBs, you know, in this sport of all time. And uh, to hear these stories, is, it's it's hilarious. And he obviously has an insane, incredibly. Uh, awesome gift. Um, I want to talk about you just just from talking to you these first, you know, 20 minutes or so. You seem like a very smart person. And um, just like learning about you uh, ever since, you know, I've been following you, you know, you signed here in Denver. Um, you're obviously very well known. You're ambassador with uh, Rubik's Cube, um, you know, just solving those Rubik's, cu- Rubik's Cubes and stuff like really quick. And uh, where, where did this kind of interest stem from? Because uh, we don't really see this too often in uh, sports. And would you actually say that level of focus and IQ, um, you know, solving those Rubik's Cubes and whatnot can co- correlate to your game as an NFL player in some ways? Yeah, two-part question. I'll answer both. So I think where the interest came from is I was in middle school. I was like 13 at the time, I think. And one of my friends um, brought a Rubik's Cube to practice. It was one of my friends on the football team. And he could solve the Rubik's Cube. It wasn't like he was fast or anything, but he could solve it. And I've always been a really competitive person. My dad was uh, military, Army, 23 years, mm-hmm. full birth, retired 2019. Uh, he was. He's also a minister and a doctor. And, you know, my dad's shoes to fill are, are like, you know, probably bigger than this screen I'm, I'm showing on right now. But um, I was always growing up, I was always, uh, and I think I get it from him, competitive. So everything I did, I was competing to win. That's kind of how he raised us, um, me and my sisters. And so um, when I came across this, it, it, it presented as a challenge that I had not overcome yet. And it, I wasn't faced with it before. But now that I was faced with it, I told myself, yeah, I, I want to learn how to solve a Rubik's Cube. I got to be able to do it. And so um he taught me actually one of my friends taught me he took like it took probably a few months but he taught me like until i got it like where i where i could do it by myself and not need to ask questions so he taught me how to do it and then once he taught me how to do it i was enamored with it and i just kept going like i kept solving it and i was kind of like interested in getting faster and um you know the, the ruby's cube is an interesting puzzle um you know there's there's one end goal, right? That you're, you're trying to solve the Rubik's cube that you go from, you know, all the mixed up colors to all the colors being solved, but there's, I think it's 43 quintillion or some crazy number like that of ways to mix up the cube. So every time you do the cube, it can legitimately be a a different experience every single time. Um, So anyway, I stuck with it and um, you know, I got a lot better over the years. And then when I got into high school, actually, um, the local newspaper, my, my sophomore year, I was a starting right tackle for the Georgetown Eagles. 
and we went to state that year um, and lost, which was terrible. But we had won every game before that. We went undefeated. And so while we were in the playoffs, you know, the the, new, the local news media is always trying to find little stories to do. And they um, they noticed that I was bringing my Rubik's Cube to all the games because I would do the Rubik's Cube and it would be like a way for me to decompress and, um, yeah. you know, calm my mind in a way. Because I think I've always been like a thinker, like I think all day long and and in some ways that's uh that's like my achilles heel because i overthink a lot of things so um which we can talk about that later because that's a funny reason for why i think me and garrett are so close but um you know i was i was always using the rubik's cube as a way to decompress before the game because helped me focus and so they did a story when i was in high school about you know the rubik's cube and all that stuff which was cool you know i was doing it i wasn't doing it that fast though but i was doing it so it became a story so then when i committed to rice somewhere in my rice though right now when i committed to rice i um we had every freshman had to do a talent show and all the guys at rice knew that i could do the rubik's cube so they were like you got to mix it up it's got to be something else like we already know about that you know can't just come up here and do the rubik's cube so i spent um i was sitting down with my granddad one day and my granddad my me and my grandparents were pretty close and i used to be over there all the time in their house they lived uh, close to us my granddad always did Sudoku puzzles. I don't know if you guys have ever done those. Yeah. Like, in- yeah. So he always did Sudoku puzzles. And then one day I was sitting down, and he was a math guy too. I think that's where I get my math side from. But we were sitting down one day, and I, I was um, looking at him doing the Sudoku puzzle, and I realized it's, it can be kind of similar to the Rubik's Cube if you think about the fact that on each side of a Rubik's Cube, you have nine squares. And in each uh, square of a Sudoku puzzle, you have nine smaller squares, and you're trying to get the numbers one through nine in that square. And then concurrently get one through nine across the three squares horizontally and then one through nine across the three squares horizontally. So um, or sorry, vertically. So um, if you think about the Rubik's Cube like that, there is always a way if you number the cube like a Sudoku puzzle. So each side, you number one through three, one through three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. If you if you number the cube like that, then you can always correlate one side to another side with numbers. So um, anyway. Without boring you with the math stuff, this um, led to me trying to find out a way to solve the Rubik's Cube without looking, and which is called a blindfolded solve in Rubik's you know, language or terminology. So anyway, I, I, I came up with that, um, with this method or whatever you call it. And then when I got to Rice, I did the talent show. <laughs> I actually did an Obama impression, which I think I probably can't do that well anymore. But I held a press conference which I answered questions about like, you know, whatever was going on at that time. I think there was some Beyonce thing going on. So I answered a question about Beyonce and like a bunch of different stuff as, as Obama, like I was holding the press conference. And then at the end it was, you know, it wasn't that long, but it was like five or six minutes, whatever. And at the end I asked somebody in the crowd, I threw the Rubik's cube out to the crowd, had them mix it up just a bunch of my teammates. And then they threw it back and I said, okay, I'm going to solve this, but I'm going to solve it blindfolded. And then y'all can time me. And so then I turned around, I solved it. Boom, I put it out, everybody freaked out. We still have a video of it. I got to find it. It's like in the rights archive somewhere. But um, yeah, so that's kind of what, it, that, that's kind of how it developed into college. And then every year in college, they did a new story every year about me solving the Rubik's Cube and whatever. Um, and it grew and grew. And then, you know, when I got to the NFL, obviously it grew and um, eventually grew into a partnership with me and Rubik. So kind of a cool story. But uh, yeah, I do think to answer your second question that, um, there are, there are aspects of solving the cube or maybe the critical thinking that you have to go through to solve the cube that um, help with your ability to focus, specifically my ability to focus on the field. I think if me doing the, me doing the cube allows my 
hands and it, it takes a certain part of my brain away from the um, relaxing part from the from like a relaxing relaxing experience i can i can focus on whatever i need to do while my you know whatever other side of my brain is focusing on the cue that's kind of how i separate it and um i do think that it um helps my ability to when i'm on the field you know just identify different patterns that you might recognize so when you're doing film study when you're trying to look at x's and o's uh it helps with pattern pattern recognition um because the pattern recognition is the exact same i think um the idea of recognizing okay when this is going on this is you know simultaneously going on and that helps you i think you know recognize tendencies and and as a tackle a lot of times you're trying to look at things that will give you indications that there's a blitz coming so you look at safety rotation or you try to see what a defense is aligned in that might indicate that they're bringing somebody off the edge or bringing linebackers up the middle. So in that way, I do think it helps. But I think, unfortunately, that's very specific to me. But I do think there's other ways it could help other people. It's just, you know, whatever works for individuals. But it works for me. Yeah, that's that's an insane story. Hey, if you can, please find that video you solving that blindly. That's, yeah. that's outrageous. Nah. I got videos of me solving it uh, blindfolded online, but there's a video of me doing that press conference somewhere at Rice Archives. <laughs> that is crazy. Um, so earlier you talked about you know being able to practice along Von Miller. You talked about you played your first games against um, I think you said Chandler Jones, Brian Burns, um, and all, Max Crosby, and all these guys. Can you give a uh, can you give us your welcome to the NFL moment? Welcome to the NFL moment. Mm -hmm. Well, let's see. Outside of outside of playing, uh, well, like when I came in the first day to the Broncos and I lined up and I was going, I was across the, I was literally across the line from Von Miller. That that felt like a welcome to the NFL moment for me because um, in that practice I realized what it was like to go against, and I still feel like Von is the greatest as a position ever, the greatest <laughs> ever. But I realized what it's like to go against an elite NFL defensive end. You know, he's an outside mm -hmm. back, whatever you yeah. call him, yeah. somebody who's elite. I had never, I mean, I had gone against good college players, college players that won the first round, all that, but especially when I was at Texas, but to go against somebody who's elite out of that class, out of that group, yeah. that was the first time I really experienced that. But maybe, maybe when I gave up my first, this year I gave up my first official NFL sack. So mm -hmm. I mean, maybe that was another moment where I was like, oh man, like, you know, it's just humbling, like a, like maybe just another humbling moment. Because I think the the Von Miller moment was my welcome to the NFL moment. Okay. That yeah, that's, that's awesome. Good. That's uh, someone that definitely I would love to love. That's my dream. That's my favorite player of all time. So to yeah. you know, oh, line up against him. That yeah, exactly the goat for sure. Um, so I was I want to talk a little bit about uh, number three. Obviously, a, a tough season for him in twenty twenty two. He's draw, like Jordan mentioned. He's just drawn a lot of multi, a lot of critics and league wide haters that have constantly bashed him whenever they got the chance. And you know, it's this that every week. It's you know, Russell Wilson a player, Russell Wilson a person. Um, what what type of season do you envision for him in this offense uh, in twenty twenty three? You know, kind of. Uh, bouncing back from all this, uh, you know, it's honestly going to probably go down as one of the greater uh, comebacks of all time at the quarterback position if he can pull it off. Yeah, I don't think there's any question about it if he can pull it off. Russ is poised to take advantage of um, exactly a moment in a situation like this. You know, they, they have like a, a saying, pressure makes diamonds. And I think, you know, Russ has already proven that he's a diamond. But I think this pressure that he's go undergoing, a lot of people could not manage. Could yeah. not handle. They might fold under that pressure, but I think this is going to refine him as a diamond so much more than it would other people because, you know, Russ Russ allows himself to take on the burden of responsibility, 
And I think the um, reciprocal of that on the other end is he is going to um, charge himself with the responsibility of bringing Denver back. So, um, and I think that he, you know, people question like his actual abilities, if he can still play at a high level. And there's no question that he can still throw. He might not be able to run as fast as he did at 20, whatever he was when he first got in the league, but he can still run. He can still maneuver out of the pocket better than most. Uh, you know, there's things that he can still do. He's still a crazy leader. Um, and, he, and he can throw the deep ball. So don't, I mean, there, there's, uh, I see all this stuff, man. It's just like, I feel like it's a little, um, a little, um, a little messed up because, you know, Russ is still an elite level quarterback. And, um, you know, I can't wait to see what this year brings because I know he's still capable. So, um, you know, we still saw that he was capable, uh, especially in practice and stuff. So um, I, I would hedge my bets on Russ, Russ being the guy who takes all this to the chin and then, um, you know, sticks it to everybody in the league this year. Yeah, uh, during the season, you know, when he was really like getting a lot of hate from just everybody, analysts, you know, fans, Twitter, just everybody on every angle. Um, there was a moment in the season where it was Jerry, Jerry, Judy, um, mm-hmm. I think KJ Hamler, Garrett Bowles and a whole bunch of other guys, you know, kind of spoke out for him. You know, was there like a change in the locker room after they did that to before they did that? Like, you know, did Russ feel more comfortable? Yeah, I think Russ felt like he his boys had his back. And so, you know, I know Russ has been through a lot in his life, and I think that reassurance was probably very empowering to him. I remember that day, actually, that it happened. And, um, you know, we we were all trying to – we were all trying to let Russ know, like, we we got you, brother. Like, we're not we're not the, 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 the national media or whoever else is trying to trash you. Um, like, we, we see the value you bring, and we, we – we respect and appreciate that. And I think that reassurance for him was um, in my hope. It, it was very empowering. It seemed like it was. Yeah. I don't know if you, uh, I'm sure you saw the press conference where he, uh, he was tearing up, um, you know, just talking to the media that, that, that hurt, man. That, Cause like you, you watch her and I'm sure for you, the, the guy who's literally blocking for him and you know, you're, you're there to protect him and um, for him to, you know, take that backlash and, you know, he's a guy who's always been smiling, you know, let's ride and yeah. every press conference being the upbeat person. And that day that, that sucked to see our, our QB one kind of, um, you know, get emotional there uh, in front of the media. That, that was tough. Yeah. yeah, it's tough to see, but it was real though. And, and, you know, I, it, it was a vulnerable moment, I know, for him. But, um, yeah. you know, I think watch out. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, but he's not playing. <laughs> he's yeah. not playing. Yeah, yeah. I, I really think this season everything is going to be completely different. We got new coaching staff in there, and I think Russ is determined. And I think he's ready just to go and unleash. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, with that being said, I, I, I want to ask you, so, you know, so far since you've been a Bronco, what is your favorite, you know, moment, you know, funniest thing or anything like that that's happened since you've been a uh, Bronco? Favorite moment was decimating the Cowboys in 2021. That was such a good feeling because I'm from Texas. I'm I was yeah. born in Austin, yeah. went to Rice, Houston. I went to UT Austin and back in Austin. Mm-hmm. Like I'm Texas through and through. Yeah. And everybody in Texas is diehard Cowboys fan. Man. Everyone. It's like a religion out there. And when, and I remember going into that game, all they were talking about, yeah, you know. <laughs> It's just going to be the Cowboys offense against you know Broncos defense because we had a good defense and the Cowboys mm-hmm. had explosive offense, whatever. They weren't talking anything about our offense. And then we put up 30 points on their head, and I was like – and and I remember during the game, like, 
they they were just shook. They didn't know what was going on. Like their defense, <laughs> pressure, they were like, couldn't believe what was happening. And uh, that was that was that was my favorite moment I think since being in the league. It's like just a really good team win all all around, mm-hmm. like all different phases of the game. Very good team win. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember just going into the game like because uh, you know my mom is a diehard Cowboys fan, and right. I just remember you know like this just just the talk of you know oh man they riding hot man it's gonna be an easy win, and I remember just like. Watching the game in the kickoff, we're up 30 to nothing. Tim Patrick hit the uh-huh. double move on Diggs. You see Melvin Gordon and all those guys scoring touchdowns. Caden Stearns getting the pick. It was definitely that that, that game had had to definitely be top five for me. That that game was crazy. Yeah, it was wild, man. Yeah, Calvin, I know you uh this is a good time to bring it up. I know you mentioned in the past, um, you know, the kind of reason for uh your common use of the uh the kind of the shush emoji you use a lot. It's kind of yes. been been I wouldn't say your brand, but I know you use that emoji a lot. I think that's badass um it's kind of your way of uh, silencing the doubters um you've said before uh, in press conferences that you've you feel that people have always counted you've counted you out and you've been an underdog your whole life what is it like carrying that persona with you uh, as you aim to eventually become a, a starting tackle in the league yeah i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't uh, disassociate it from my brand i think it actually is a part of my brand at this point that's um, awesome i think it it comes from exactly what you said Always, I, I was never the person who was who was um, believed to be the guy who was going to make it all happen. Um, and, and and aside from that being my internal belief and the belief of the people that care about me, um, you know, when I was a high school recruit, and I'll just talk about football for a second, but when I was a high school recruit, I was, you know, two-star, you know, everybody's got their own version of what that looks like for them being counted out. But, you know, I didn't even actually become a two-star until – I was on that um, that uh, Allstate team, and that was mostly because of uh, the success that was going going on around me. So I, I was lucky and fortunate to have one coach who was at Rice. His name's Ronnie Van Clark. I'll never forget him to this day. But he came and he saw, you know, I was 200 and – I wouldn't even say 15. I was 210 playing right tackle in high school football in Texas. So already being an offensive lineman at 210, this doesn't even sound right. But I was longer. I was lanky. You know, I wasn't overly strong. You know, I was always fast, always quick. That was always my thing. But, you know, I, I wasn't like the prototype tackle build, nothing close to it. So he saw me, though, and he saw the um, potential. And, you know, he, he thought I moved well. And uh, I think it was him believing in me that, you know, got me to Rice. And that's why I was still committed to Rice my senior year. My senior year. I had a bunch of other offers, a bunch of other bigger D1 offers. And, you know, I'm lucky to be a loyal person. I, I just I didn't even listen to him. I didn't, I didn't take the phone call. I said, don't I'm, I'm not leaving. I'm not going anywhere else but Rice. Um, still glad I did that. And I went to Rice and, you know, I was the, my first year at Rice. I was 235 at tackle freshman. And then, you know, I slowly, slowly gained weight over my time. Now. I was 235, then 260, then 280. And then my last year there, I was maybe 285, 290. Um, which was uh, my fourth year at Rice, but my third year playing. And then when I got to Texas, that was the first time I was I had gotten close to being 300. I was at over three. I was at 300 at one point, but then kind of was below that. I was probably playing a 295-ish for the whole last Texas season. Um, and then it was the same thing when I got to the NFL. My pro day on um, trying out for the NFL I was 292. Um, I was again really fast, but I had. Like I wasn't like, oh, people looked at me and said, yeah, this guy's going to make it. Like that's that was never me. Um, mm-hmm. And I got to when I went undrafted, 
I got to the Jets, it was the same thing. But I think I when when people watch me play and they saw what I was made of, like what I had inside, um, that's undeniable. And I think a lot of people could see and feel that. Um, and and seeing and feeling uh, is not just you know with your with your eyes and um, with your senses, but there was something else I think people recognized that I brought. There was some another aura that I bring. That I think people um, people are very sensitive to, and especially good football players and coaches. I think they recognize that. So um, I think that is what's been leading me to to be successful. Is something that is uh, much bigger and greater than you know having all the athletic traits or having all the physical traits. Uh, and I think I overcame not having some of them and not having a lot of them, maybe. Uh, and I'm still doing that to today, still to today. So um, whenever you see me throw up the shush emoji, like just know that comes with a lot of emotion and a lot of energy um, because it means something to me. Like it means something to me every single year when I'm always considered like, oh, I don't know if he can even even still in the league. Like even even with me playing, it's still like, can he really do it? Like he was undrafted. Uh, can he really stack up? You know, Um and, you know, that's why this, that's why it's just a shush, because the shush means so much more than just, you know, uh, it's like, oh, it sounds like, like it, it means so much more. There's a whole book of there's a whole book of explanation to that shush. And so I'm, I'm adding on to that book every single year, um, every single day, even with me training. You should see the way I train out here. Um, and I can't wait for this free agency period to be done so I can just so I can know what's the next move and, um, you know, add the next chapter to that shush, because that's just that's just as. It's just how it'll take some time to read. You know what I mean? The explanation mm-hmm. of that shit. So, yeah, I do think it's a part of my brand. It means a lot. And to carry that persona is to be authentically who I am. So mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like I'm carrying something. It feels like I am who I am. And it's an, it's a, it's an external expression of that. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good mentality to have, you know, like that's a, a lot of people can't really figure that out. That's a, that's a really good mentality to have. Um, I will say, uh, you know, growing up for you, you know, obviously, you know, you're a tackle. What were some tackles that you kind of, you know, just wanted to model your game after or, you know, just your some of your favorite at the position? Yeah, I mean, um, once I got into watching O-line play, I liked Joe Staley's film because I felt like I felt like, you know, Joe Staley had some some intangibles, too. But I felt like he played similar to how I wanted to play athletic, fast, getting under people. And he wasn't like some big the oversized tackle. He was more of a, a smaller athletic tackle that was, that was agile. So I always appreciated that in tackles. Um, you know, I even like watching Joe Thomas. I always felt like it was insane that Joe Thomas could take a directly vertical set at just about 300 pounds and still play so well. I always thought that was incredible. Uh, still to this day, I can't believe how he does. You watch some of his film, it's like, this guy's, he's not taking an angle set to make it easier or nothing. He's, and he's just maybe licking 300 when he's playing. And he's taking a directly vertical set one on one the island with the best rushers and still handling them. I always thought that was um, that was crazy. But then there's some OGs too. Like um, uh, I don't want to I don't want I don't want to say his name wrong. I trained with him. Uh, he he played 20 years in the NFL, um, and I trained with him when I was coming out of the draft, and I was at the NFLPA game because that's the game I went to. Um, what's that guy's name? Man, I have him written down. I'm gonna forget his name, but he played, I think, for the Chargers a long time for like 20 years. Um, and he was an undersized tackle and he played both tackles. He was insane. Uh, he's considered one of the best. I also like guys who currently played in the league. Like I always I always liked watching Tyron Smith's film because he was just an athletic freak. 
And I felt like he said he set the standard at the position for like a long time. Um, and, you know, he I know he's getting older now, but Tyron is still, I think, just as mo- one of the most athletically gifted tackles I've ever seen mm-hmm. play. Even when he was coming out of USC, I know he was playing right tackle, but he was just so athletic, gifted, fast, and then just <laughs> locking boys up. <laughs> um, and um, I'm trying to think. I think there was one other one I wanted to mention. Uh, oh, I always looked up to um, – is he, is he still in the league right now? Uh, he was playing to the Cowboys last year, maybe. Was he still in the league? Who is it? Um, Jason gonna, Peters. Yeah, I, I'm trying to remember if he did he play for the Cowboys last year. Uh, Jason Peters, yeah, 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 he did. He, was, okay, yeah. he, played, he played guard. guard. He played guard or something, right? Yeah. yeah Jason yeah. Peters obviously is like an un, undrafted legend, so all undrafted linemen should be watching and uh, looking up to Jason Peters, in my opinion. But yeah, to to take an, un, an undrafted start and turn it into a Hall of Fame career, that doesn't happen. Yeah. Man. So those are some of the guys. For sure. Yeah, that's a that's a good list to have there. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Garrett Bowles before we wrap things up. Um, obviously, there is uh, there's some stuff flying around uh, during the offseason. Um, you're always hearing about concert rumors uh, with the Broncos. Um, we heard a little bit about from uh, two members of the Broncos media that was circulating circulating a little bit. Um, you know, one of them being Benjamin Albright claiming that he was being shopped a few weeks ago. Uh, is there do you know if there's any validity or truth to this claim? Um if you kind of if you've heard anything about that, um, uh, and you know, speaking of bowls being one of your uh, one of your guys, yeah, I um, my understanding is that there's nothing, none of that going on, and okay. it's you know, rumors are tough, man, because I think people downplay the impact it has on players when they see stuff in the media, and especially from so-called reputable sources, it's it's like even even the stuff going around right now about our receivers, like you know, yeah. I think that stuff really does weigh on the guys. And, you know, the idea of being like what we, what we all loved about, um, about playing in college is that there's this sense of um, loyalty that you have. Like yeah. you, you play for a school and you represent that school forever. And, you know, unfortunately it's just, it's not the same in the NFL because of the business aspect. So um, you want to feel like, okay, well, I'm on this team and that's the team I'm on. Like that's, that's who I represent that. And they represent me. And there's a, there's a two way, know um protection that we have over each other um but you know anyway i I think um especially garrett you know garrett's an emotional guy and um you know i've always loved that about him and i think that you know seeing seeing stuff like that especially when it's not true it's just like mentally messes sometimes it can play with your emotions so um yeah so i from my understanding and i've been pretty thick in trying to understand what's going on for agency obviously for my own situation I don't think any of that is happening. I think Garrett is uh, is the long term option to left tackle, still. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. That's great. Yeah, and uh, I just wanted to branch off that question as well. Obviously, uh, Garrett Bowles um, being one of your your best friends on this team. What what is it like been a uh, you know getting to play with them? I know uh, during the uh, training camp, uh, Billy Turner, Tom Compton were down, which means you guys were playing on the you're getting first team reps and on the O line at the same time. You know, opposite sides of the um, the line. What, what what is that like? And uh, just getting to play with your uh, your buddy there and in, uh, in here in Denver. Yeah, playing opposite sides. Some of me and Garrett have talked about literally since my first. Time, my first year here um it was it was nice man like my uh my uh i think both of our goals were at some point for that to be the case and that we could play mm-hmm. you know start these games together and 
Um, you know, still still have hope that that could be the case. But uh, it was cool, man. It was it was you know it was I think something that we had already envisioned. So that now that it was playing out in real time, it was that um, was a fun experience. Um, you know, it's, Garrett is uh, <laughs> Garrett's a very particular person, but he, he maybe he's an acquired taste for some people. But I think you know if he if he did more stuff like this where he was you know doing an interview where people could kind of see who he is. I think a lot of people would really enjoy Garrett because he's a very likable person. Like a yeah. like he's like like how you imagine like these big teddy bear. Like when people describe big people that are teddy bears, like that's kind of how Garrett is. Like he's just he's just a lovable person. Loves his family, um, and he loves real hard. He's like a really good friend. Um, but yeah, it was cool playing together, man. We uh, I wish we could have played more games together, but it was cool while it lasted. Yeah, that's that's dope. You know, to have a friendship like that on the team and everything like that, that that's really good. Because, you know, a lot of guys sometimes at the same position is sometimes they compete too much and they don't get along. But it's really good to see two guys at tackle, you know, just being able to get along and things like that. Yeah, it was funny. Like when I first came in, that's what I, that that's the thought I had is that we both play the same position. So I'm not sure why <laughs> that guy is being so inviting of me. Um and, you know, we still talk about it to this day. I think it's rare that people at the same exact – I was playing left tackle when I first got here. I was, I was mm-hmm. learning right, but I was playing left. I was the back of the left. And it's, I think, usually rare that people get along, especially, like, when I was – when I played against the Cowboys game, I was having a lot of success that year, and Garrett was injured. And he was, like, the my biggest supporter. Like, called me right at the game. Like, I knew you were going to blast that boy. No, no. Like, he just – like, and I think that part is rare. So, um, you know, I, I've always appreciated G for that, man. He's just, he just generally wants to see me succeed. And I think the same about him. And so, um, you know, I think that along with our loyalty and stuff, uh, like some of the, some of the shared characteristics we have, uh, have led to us just be, becoming so close. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Cause we are, we're always, you know, we, from the players that we've had on here net saying nothing but great things about him. And, um, I heard about, uh, Justin Sternot. We had Justin Sternot a few days ago and he was talking about how on, you know, the team flights and stuff. He, he's back there with a boom box, um, <laughs> you know, walking around asking, uh, asking the teammates how they're, uh, how they're enjoying themselves, if they're relaxed, how they're doing. It, it's just yeah. awesome. You know, see those that, you know, those, uh, you want to see that from your leaders on the team. So, uh, he seems, he seems like an awesome guy to be around. I would have loved to have him on here today. Um, yeah, you know, I would have had some great questions for him as well. Maybe if y'all go live later, I'll be with you. Maybe it'll hop on. Okay, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I asked uh, PJ uh, Locke this question um, when he was on. You know, I asked him. You know, if there was one guy, you know, if there's one guy on the team, you know, that you would love to go out to a party with, and there was one guy that you know you wouldn't, you know, go out to a party with and have fun with, and the. the um, the guy that he said he wouldn't was Garrett Bowles, and he was like, "Look, man, he was like, he was like, I'll just tell you, Garrett. You know, he just, he said, I just like that. Garrett. Yeah, you have the clip. I actually have that clip right here. I'll yeah, roll it right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I got a little fun question for you too. Um, which player on the team would you love to go out like party with to the club? It and which player would you never like go out with? Like, which player would you never go out and try to have fun with? Garrett Bowles. <laughs> <laughs> That's it's my first boy. It'll be my first one. Like, Bones, I can't go to a dude, dog. Like, I love you, <laughs> Bones, but nah, I can't do it. Can't be seen with you. But, uh, <laughs> he's a clown, man. That boy's a clown. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, he he was telling us a lot, bro. PJ is such a chill dude. He honestly yeah, he one of my favorite guests I've had on the oh. show. He's really, he's really cool and really honest. Yeah. yeah, he's a chill dude, man. He is. 
So now the yeah. question falls on me, right? Who yeah. would I go to the club with? <laughs> mm. And who would I not go to the club with? I'm not going to the club with it's just players, yeah. Just players, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, I'm not going. Well, hmm. <laughs> you know, I'd probably go. I would go to the club with. Um, I would go to the club with Draymond Jones. Mm, and, okay. and obviously, I'm saying this, if it didn't have to be Garrett, because I, I would, you know, that's my dog or whatever. But I'm saying outside of that, I'll probably go with Dre because Dre is actually hilarious. He's low key funny, like yeah. makes a lot of those low key comments that are hilarious. Um, and I, I would love to like go out and see just what he's like outside because he's just like a funny dude, and I think he's pretty yeah. like his experience with life is very authentic. So I feel like that would be that would be a fun place to experience like him and his like kind of goofy mm-hmm. self that would that would i would probably go out with dre dre's a, dre would be a good dude to go out with the, uh, the stuff that he'd be retweeting and liking on twitter is like it's not even yeah, like he's, a, he's a fiend he's a fiend on twitter bro like he's a real <laughs> demon on twitter. like yo <laughs> um who would i not go to the club with i'm probably not gonna go to the club with russ honestly because i That's feel fair. like russ is gonna be he's gonna bring his ipad He's gonna bring. He's gonna bring his film. Like Russ not going to the Russ going to the club <laughs> to study film and get ready for the game. He's not going to the club to oh, get lit. That's great. I'll probably not go with Russ. And Russ will probably convince me not to go to the club and go home <laughs> and film study and get my body right. That's probably what he would do. Yeah, that's that's funny, man. Yeah, so uh, that's that's it for uh, today. I'm um, super super excited having you on today, man. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you're busy, um, you know, training and whatnot, getting ready for uh, you know this uh, these off season training activities and everything that's coming up. Hope you stay in Denver here, man. Yeah, um, really. You know, uh, you scared me a little bit when you're saying uh, you know it was good while it lasted with uh, Garrett Bowles. <laughs> I'm hoping there's I'm hoping there's more coming, man. I'm hoping there's more coming. Yeah, there could be, man. Like I said, I'm not rolling it out. Uh, it'll be – you guys know how it is, though, off-season, off free agency, all that is, mm-hmm. is, uh, is yeah, volatile. Sure. So we'll see. But uh, either way, I'm, I'm I'm excited about the future, and I love Denver regardless. Yeah. Yeah, really hope to have you back here. And But regardless, I, I do, you know, hope you get the best opportunity that presents itself in front of you and, you know, get your opportunity to showcase yeah. your talent and your skill and show to these coaches what you can do as a starter week in and week out. So hope the best for you and your future. And uh, thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to hop on your man. For real. Appreciate it, man. Love the podcast, man. Y'all keep it up. Awesome. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, man. Yeah, ho- hopefully, uh, you know, I'm out there one day covering you on the Broncos. Uh, there super, you go. That's, that's kind of <laughs> my dream, and it would be awesome to be able to do that. And, um, you know, like I said, keep keep killing it, man. Uh, keep sil- silencing the doubters. Yep. Uh, really really uh, awesome that you, you know, carry that brand and kind of mindset with you. Um, it, it's inspiring to a lot of the people. You know, you got tackles, I'm sure, out there who's seen what you're doing and want to your their game after you. Uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, these guys uh, – you know, I'm I'm sure they, they see you out there doing what you know, being through the same stuff that you went through. So um I think it's really inspiring what you're doing to the you know generations that are coming up. Um 
yeah, thanks for coming on today, man. Hope you have a good uh, rest of your day with training and everything. Um, if you guys are listening to uh, YouTube, make sure to hit the like button and subscribe if you're listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Make sure to follow over there and have notifications on so you don't miss any of these episodes with Broncos players, insiders, and journalists. Free agency kicks off tomorrow, so we are going to be having plenty of coverage going over who the Broncos are signing, who they should sign, all the wave two, wave or wave one, wave two, wave three of free agency, who they should pick up. Um, super excited to get all that out for you guys. Um, this is your host, Amir, with my co-host Jordan. Today's the guest, Calvin Anderson. To the next one, peace. Peace.